You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino uh, with Do Facts Matter? And I have a few topics today, uh, uh, briefly in the beginning, before I get to my main topic of the day, which deals with one word, chaos. And I have brought this issue up before. But right now, let me just say one thing. I, it, you take a look at the achievements of Donald Trump in four years. If Barack Obama had achieved one quarter of what what uh, Trump has achieved in eight years, he would be lionized as one of the greatest presidents in American history. And I think it's a shame to think that Trump, who is, and will go down in history, is one of the finest of American presidents, maybe one of the top eight or ten, uh, is in danger of losing the next election. I don't know what to say about the American people would actually go and vote for someone who's on his way to Alzheimer's disease. But let me just give you a, a few little things. There was an interesting article in American Thinker, uh, which is uh, uh, you know, a little brief little, little tidbits, uh, conservative t- tidbits, pointing out how much Trump has achieved. And, of course, um, the famous uh, skating rink in New York, which... Uh, let me just read you the description of this to see how Trump has been able to get things done that other presidents have not. The rink was a city-owned property that had fallen into disrepair during the 1970s. By 1980, the city was planning to refurbish a project in which they said it would take two years. Six years and 13 million later, the work already done was wrong. And the city announced that it had to start over. In May 1986, Trump, then 39, told Mayor Ed Koch that if the mayor handed the project to him, Trump would have the rink ready by Christmas for less than $3 million, none of which would profit, would be a profit to Trump. As it happened, Trump did not do what he had promised. Instead, he did the impossibility by usually exceeding expectations. Trump finished the job in four months and came in 25% under budget. According to people in New York, New Yorkers understood that if Trump undertook a task, he'd do it and do it well. He would achieve the impossible. Well, that's right. And And we go now to Barack Obama making fun of Trump on the campaign trail when he was running for president. And Obama said, oh, and when Trump said he was going to bring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S., his Obama said, well, how exactly are you going to do that? What exactly are you going to do? There's no answer to it, Obama said. He just says, well, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, what? How exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. That's what Obama said. Meanwhile, in the last 30 months of President Obama's term, manufacturing employment grew by 185,000, or 1.5%. In President Trump's first 30 months, manufacturing added 499,000 jobs, expanding by 4%. Trump renegotiated NAFTA, got out of the disastrous uh, tr- Trans-Pacific uh, trade deal, 
made new deals with China, the enemy, China, yet China just bought a tremendous amount of, uh, uh, of agricultural products from this country because they need them. And uh, Trump knows what leverage he has. You know, negotiations, I teach a course that involves uh, the issue of negotiations. And one of the things about negotiations I tell the students is you've got to assess, assess your leverage. And if you don't have the leverage you think you have, you can try bluffing. And that may or may not work, depends on whether the other side is know you have, uh, know you're bluffing or not. But leverage is an important issue in negotiations. And I've given my students a couple of problems where it's quite obvious that one side doesn't have any leverage in particular. Other side has it all, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm hoping that particular team, and there's two, two people on each side, does not come to a deal because the deal would not be good for the uh, prospective buyer of this uh, uh, business and uh, because the seller really has nothing really to sell. Uh, and we'll see if they figure that out. Anyway, you had uh, a whole number of things that uh, – look look at what the criticism we got for the – Changing the, the U.S. Embassy to, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And, oh, this is war. This is going to a disaster. We're going to lose everything in the Middle East. No one will uh, be our ally anymore. Yeah, what's happened since then? Hmm. What's happened since then? We got he's got peace deals all over the place. The Sunni Arabs are coming to the table. You say, well, you know, it's, is it Trump? Yeah, it's Trump. Well, of course, it's also Iran. The Sunni Arabs are taking a look and saying, you know, where is our bread buttered? Do we want to be with uh, the U.S. And, and, and Israel, or do we want to be dominated by Iran, a Shiite state? And you can't underestimate. Americans don't understand the, the, the power of these kinds of religious or ideological attachments. And Islam is more than a religion. It's a whole political system. It's a totalitarian political system. And... Uh, historically, the Shiites and the Sunnis have feuded from the very beginning about who is the true uh, successor, who, who are the true successors to Muhammad, and who who is the uh, follows Islam properly. Uh, and so, there's a lot of fear among the Sunni states of a Shiite state named, uh, like Iran, and frankly, vice versa. So, anyway, we've got Trump's achievements, which, of course, the mainstream media ignores as much as they can and uh, what do we have i, I, I want to there's a, a interesting book written by david horowitz called blitz and uh, of course it predicts a, a sweeping trump victory and it also has um, a lot about uh, what what uh, david horowitz thinks would be a danger a ter- a real danger if uh, Trump loses, and I'm going to read you what David Harwood said we're facing if Trump loses before I go into the major uh, topic of, of today. And here's what David uh, Harwood says. In my new book, Blitz, Trump will smash the left and win. You can get Blitz uh, on um, in Amazon. Yeah, they haven't really censored it yet. I guess they will sooner or later. In my new book, Blitz, Trump will smash the left and win. I reveal that the biggest danger to America at this very moment as 
is Donald Trump losing in November. I believe Joe Biden and his minions will unleash the most radical policy agenda and reshaping of our government and society ever contemplated. And I know how they operate and think because I was once a radical leftist. Yes, David Horowitz was a, a, a red diaper baby. His parents were activist communists and he grew up as a communist. He uh, actually was uh, uh, allied with the Black Panthers until he realized that the Black Panthers were mostly thugs out for their own enrichment. And, uh, and he started to rethink what his, uh, alliances should be. Uh, he still, uh, called, thinks of himself as an agnostic or atheist, but he's definitely, uh, anti-communist and he definitely believes that the Democrats have been taken over by, by radical left thinkers and here's what he said he sees joe biden by the way as a figurehead he calls him the stooge in radical alinsky that's all alinsky he's talking about in radical alinsky politics he's the decoy that means biden's the decoy you all think that old uncle joe will be running the country but he won't kamala harris the most liberal senator serving openly talks of this being her administration, as she says, it's the Harris administration. And she said that, and of course, she realized what she had said and, and tried to cover that up a little later. Of course, Biden, you know, he, he called the, his coming administration the Harris-Biden administration. Kind of interesting having a vice president uh, in the first place. Uh, anyway, that's pretty scary if you think about uh, Kamala Harris and, and what she believes or what she claims she believes. And here's what uh, David Harwood says is going to happen. And here's why why the uh, anti-Trump left is so dangerous. One, of course, they're the resistance. This is the code word for the network out to destroy Trump. I describe who the real operators are, and I named the big billionaires funneling money into them. Look, there was 101. There's a. I forgot how many American billionaires are there, but there's well over 200. And 101 of these billionaires met to, to plot and fund against Trump. So this idea that the Republican Party is the party of the wealthy is nonsense, total nonsense. And I go to the go to Forbes and get the top 50 billionaires in the country, the top 20, just stop at the top 20. Virtually every single one of them is a Democrat funding. In fact, a lot of them, like George Soros, are funding Antifa. So, uh, so, they, so, so to, to think that when the Democrats say, oh, Trump and his billionaire friends. No, no, no. The Democrats who have all these billionaire friends, not Trump. Uh, and there's a reason for that. And I've discussed that on this show before. A lot of these billionaires are now in the tech sector. They're in the service sector. They're in the sector serving uh, populations. And therefore, they value the Chinese market over the American market. Amazon, uh, the National Basketball Association, for big sakes. So they're globalists. They consider themselves, you know, citizens of the globe, and they are absolutely adamantly opposed to, to Trump 
opposing uh, China, no matter how bad China is, no matter what China does uh, in terms of uh, this country, because they look at it and say, well, you know, what's ordinary folks in America? It's 330 million Americans. I mean, you know, so they don't do so well. And let's go back to the Obama years. Let's go back to the Bush years. Let's, let's let China, you know, do what they will because we have a market there. We have a market, says Amazon. We have a market, says Facebook. We have a market, says Google. We have an entree to a market. And, you know, <laughs> ExxonMobil, which in 2000, I think 2011, ExxonMobil had the highest market capitalization of any country. And market capitalization being the value of the stock added up. And they were number one. And, of course, what, is, what are they into? They're into energy production and energy distribution. And they are part of the uh, Dow Industrial. The Dow Industrial, 30 top companies. And, that's, and they've been part of the Dow Industrial for, I don't know, ever since Dow Industrial was, was founded years and years ago. And, of course, ExxonMobil is, is the major successor to to Rockefeller, Johnny Rockefeller's uh, fortune in the energy market. ExxonMobil, who produces something, who actually produces something, I say that again, has been kicked off the Dow. They are no longer part of the 30 top companies that constitute the Dow. It's called Dow Industrial, but the dominant companies on the Dow, Oracle, Facebook, Apple, are not producing energy, are not produce, are not mining. They're, they're either consumer companies such as Apple or they're technology companies, essentially like Facebook. So there's a huge change, and these companies have no particular loyalty to the United States as a company. They have a loyalty, like most big corporations, to the bottom line. And the bottom line is let's say the bottom line it's it's fatter if the the Chinese market stays open to them yeah so the Chinese spread this virus around well you know that's price pay Um, anyway number one is the resistance and the resistance is largely funded by left wing billionaires and of course identity politics and as he points out, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, BLM is not about black lives. It is about using race as a lever to divide America, destroying true equality and destroying true equality. It is a new political power grab. Absolutely. And I am uh, in the process of drafting an article uh, which main thesis is the black community has always been manipulated by the left, by the Democrats who have now taken over by the left, and uh, and they're being used. Look, the all Black Lives Matter. You know, they don't care. Black Lives Matter. The organization, which of course Alicia Garza's organization, she's the founder of all sorts of uh, spinoffs for Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter. They don't care about Black Lives. If they did, they'd be demanding more police uh, coverage in black communities. If they cared about black lives, uh, <laughs> they'd be worried about all these kids. How, how many 17-year-olds were murdered in Chicago last week? 
Robert, why don't we let folks think about that a little while, and we'll take a quick break. Thanks. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino, John Marshall Law School Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter. And of course, they don't. And I'm just talking about the how the left, the radical left, is now using, once again, the black community uh, to... Uh, uh, manipulating the black, black, or a lot of the black community, although there's an awful lot of, uh, uh, members of the black community that are kind of get wise to what's happening to them. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of people living in the inner city are not too happy about this spiraling cr- crime rates, which of course the organization Black Lives Matter cares not one whit about. How many, you know, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, is this cr- the crime rate has now Increased by so much, and yeah. the ninety-five uh, percent of the homicides, the increase in homicides, uh, right, right. Uh, well, you're talking to the owner, so blacks. Uh, Brett's my IT person, but uh, anyway, uh, what else? I'm David Moxley. The, the Democrats have in store for us. Well, open borders, and here's what the. David Harwood says about that. Make no mistake about it. This is an immigration jihad meant to change America's language and culture and give the Democrats a permanent voting edge. Then the next he calls green communism. The Green New Deal is about undermining American business and oil independence and regulating our society under the guise of the environment. I reveal some of the really wacko things they are yeah. planning. Now, that's real interesting. You say, well, wait a minute now. Uh, the yeah, corporations are funding are, Black Lives Matter. Uh, to a large extent, the uh, major foundations uh, are, including George Soros' uh, Open Society Foundations, and it dire- indirectly the Ford and Rockefeller Foundations are uh, funding uh, Antifa. 
what's it for them if, 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 if they talk about communism? Look, this is a ruler revolutionary alliance. The rulers know that they're, what they're doing. They're funding these groups because they want centralized control of the economy to eliminate competition for the major corporations. And they don't think for a moment they're going to, uh, 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 suffer. Uh, let me, let me, let me so, go to a great progressive. Uh, the best for, uh, best format for us at least he was called a great progressive when he came to power. Adolf Hitler. The great progressive Adolf Hitler. That's what, that's, until they figured out, a lot of people thought what Adolf Hitler was really about. Just, okay, uh, he was welcomed in, it, into, uh, uh service as a progressive. At America's web the, uh, com. And, and, what, what, who, who supported him? A lot of the major German corporations. He only won thirty some odd percent of the of the vote. His his party, National Socialist Party, but he was still chosen as chancellor. And then from there he went to to seize control. And uh, the great evil of the Nazi regime was was born. The um, yeah, it's all it's all connected. But, but what, what did he say? And you can look this up. I don't know the exact words. I don't remember, but I've read the history and I've read the exact words. When he was asked whether he was a socialist or not, he said, of course he was a socialist. And then he was asked, well, why uh, why don't you do what Lenin did in the Soviet Union and nationalize industries and put all the you know major industries under under centralized or political control? And the upshot of Hitler's answer was, I don't need to do that. I want to leave the people in place who know how to run these companies as long as they do what I say. So, so what we're looking at, green communism is what, uh, uh, Horowitz calls it. What we're really looking at is a corporate crony capitalist system where big corporations, the big government and big unions get together and make all the economic decisions. And part of those decisions will, of course, involve squeezing out the middle and smaller businesses, which the pandemic is doing quite well. You know, take a look at, at, at the economic benefit of the pandemic. There's some estimates that $500 billion have been transferred into the coffers of the big corporations. They have prospered during the pandemic. Which big corporations? Well, we'll talk about that at a future show. But the point is that the big corporations, they want access to China. They have no fear of centralized economic control because that eliminates uh, their competition for upstart companies or middle-sized companies. And they have shown how much a lot of them have benefited tremendously from the pandemic. Uh, so communist health care was next on his list. Let's call it what it is. I explained why Obamacare was the beginning Biden care will kill our private health system and Medicare. And that's true. Yeah. And, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, <clears throat> I will tell you something. Socialized medicine. Socialized medicine works extremely well if you're not sick and you're not old and sick. If you're old, you get an aspirin and go home. You're not worth saving. Your productive life is over. See Animal Farm. Read Animal Farm. If, uh, if, 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 if you're really ill, otherwise, you, you have to wait in line. There was an interesting study done some years ago about uh, the number of MRI machines per capita, the waiting time to see specialists. 
if you take a look at that and measure your healthcare system by those kind of criteria, the U.S. has the best healthcare system in the world. And um, I will dig out my report and was done on the auspices, I believe, of the U.N. of all places and uh, showed clearly. Uh, it did show one thing that U.S. fell behind, and that's uh, uh, birth deaths, deaths, the uh, live births. But, of course, when you dug deep into the statistics, you found out that many countries in reporting uh, deaths at birth, non-live births, they did not count premature births. They did not count babies that died within a year. They they eliminated all sorts of uh, statistics, all sorts of, um, of, 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 of deaths, in order to get higher up on the chart. So if, if, if you compare apples to apples, the U.S. is not at the top on uh, live births per capita, but close to the top. But certainly on, on the other, other criteria, they're at the top. Uh, the other really important health, health criteria, access to specialists, access to MRI machines. Now, this is the interesting thing, really. And that's support for criminals and contempt for the law. I wrote this. This is what David Harwood says. I wrote, I wrote this before George Floyd and the protests this summer. But it's all coming true. Biden has already signed on to defund the police and worse. Because he, he denies he did that. But if you read what he said, if you listen to what he said, it wasn't he didn't exactly say openly defund the police talked about transferring funds support for America's enemies. All the bad guys become good guys in their warped view of the world. Joe Biden has already signaled he wants to embrace China. Yes, of course he's supported by all these billionaire Democrats and they want access to the Chinese market. So of course they own the democratic party. Um, and then, and, and resume the failed nuclear agreement with Iran. Well, he just announced that he will go back into the nuclear deal with Iran. What a disaster. We gave, what, a billion and a $150 billion to Iran or something like that so they could fund terrorism around the world to bribe them into, into signing on to a deal that would do nothing more than delay, delay the nu- nuclear weapon development by Iran, not stop it, not end it, delay it. And, of course, the attack on America's heritage. Right. If, if you if you attack everything that's about this country, including George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, you attack the heritage and, and, and people lose. Along with uh, allowing criminals a free reign, uh, people lose uh, confidence, people lose uh, loyalty to, to, to the country, the loyalty to the government. It's not working. We got to try something else. And uh, so those are kind of and again, this is a blitz by David Horowitz. And this is what he said Blitz stands for, or the or topics they discuss in Blitz at some length. So I urge you to get Blitz and read it. I certainly hope he's right that uh, Trump will win the next election. I am not so sure. Uh, although I have a good friend, economist friend of mine, uh, who uh, says uh, said to me, you know, he doesn't pay attention to polls. All he pays attention to is who's betting on whom. Who's willing to put their money on the line? And if you look at the betting odds, they've been tightening. 
Uh, at one point, uh, Biden was uh, well, uh, well, well the favorite. Right now, it's uh, close. Uh, the last time I looked, it was 52% for Biden, 48% for Trump. So that's significant uh, closing of the betting odds. So yeah, take a look. Go well, to the internet, what, betting odds on the presidential election and see, see where it's going. I think yeah. I'll put my money on Trump. So we're needing to uh, take another break. We'll be back okay. with Professor Robert D'Agostino right after this. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. Hey folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday 2 to 3 live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry, I'm just right. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter. And by the way, that uh, last thing I, I read uh, with David Horowitz, that was published uh, Newsmax.com. So if you're interested in seeing uh, that, uh, Newsmax is an independent American uh, uh, press uh, operation, which has a lot of interesting stuff. Anyway, so David Horowitz had written this for Newsmax, and you can find it, Newsmax, N-E-W-S-M-A-X.com. Uh, okay, so where are we with this? Um, oh, we got complaints about Trump's adolescent behavior, or, or, or adolescent, I shouldn't say behavior, but adolescent uh, potty mouth, uh, you know, gross about uh, how, how you treat women. And this has been held against him you know, for 30 years, what have you. Meanwhile... The governor, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, not to mention Bill Clinton, of course, who, by the way, Bill Clinton, credibly accused of sexual harassment and credibly accused of rape. And this Bill Clinton, he's at the Democrat convention. So they're really concerned about the women and the Me Too movement. And, And what's happening in Virginia? The lieutenant governor of Virginia... Uh, and um, whose name is, uh, he just wrote down here, uh, uh, Jason Fairfax. I'm Justin Fairfax, excuse me. Justin Fairfax, uh, he's running for governor. He's a Democrat, black Democrat. He's been credibly charged with, with sexual assault, including rape by two professional women. Two women of, of uh, who has who's by background seems quite credible. They have both charged him, and it makes no difference to the Democrats. He's a Democrat anyway. He's in favor of killing unborn babies. And that's really the key sacrament of the progressive movement. I mean, the progressive.
believe in all sorts of things that ain't so, and uh, they take on faith and, and explains their existence to them, I suppose. But anyway, so Justin Fairfax is going to run for governor of Virginia, despite the, and yet the left did nothing but pillory Kavanaugh for something that someone alleged he did 40 years ago while he was in high school, and there was no evidence that he actually did it, that the person, uh, Ford, had named people who knew about it, who said they didn't know about it. She didn't know where it happened. She had, the timeline wasn't clear to her, and there was no credible evidence that anything like that had happened, and yet Kavanaugh was pillaried for a an unsupported and unsupportable allegation. But Justin Fairfax in Virginia, he's going to become governor, and he's been accused of rape and sexual assault. Well, that's the way it goes, I suppose, in this country today. But let's get back to what's going on. I think you have to understand this. This is very important that the left, largely funded by people like George Soros, at least in terms of Antifa, and other billionaires who have financial reasons, to say that this is an anti-establishment movement is absolutely nonsense. Big corporations, they're the rulers, or like to be the rulers, and uh, Trump has put a crimp in that. Look, the big corporations got a leg up under Franklin Roosevelt, who did what he could initially to, to destroy competition. Uh, the Supreme Court at that time was uh, more attuned to the Constitution and stopped Franklin Roosevelt, National Recovery Administration. Uh, remember what happened under Franklin Roosevelt. Some, some tailor who wanted to uh, press pants for a quarter instead of 50 cents, which the... Uh, National Recovery Administration said was the price. He was charged with unfair competition, and uh, he had to uh, he had to face arrest for these sakes. Um, go, go look it up. And uh, so, so this idea of, of a, a a alliance between big unions and, that, and Franklin Roosevelt was big on that. One of the deals he made with big unions is uh, during the um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt administration was not to press antitrust charges against them if they would keep the wages of their union workers up. Well, of course, the wages of uh, non-union people, you know, went went down, and, and we had this, you know, people traveling the country looking for work they couldn't find. Uh, it was a deflationary period. And Amity Shalas, a great economist, she's uh, wrote a book about how Franklin Roosevelt's policies kept us in the Great Depression for six extra years. Well, look at Obama. Except for the Great Depression, the slowest recovery from recession we've ever had happened under Obama. His tax and regulatory policy absolutely put the brakes on what should have been a much more rapid recovery. And it took Trump with tax cuts and with more importantly, regulation cuts, regulation changes, uh, freeing up the economy, freeing up uh, entrepreneurs uh, to start businesses and, and to grow, that uh, created a, a boom that was, of course, ended by the pandemic. But let's let's talk a little bit about this. So we now know that 
this is not about, at least this is not about overthrowing the rulers. This is about actually making sure they stay in power. The bureaucrats, federal bureaucrats, the big corporations, the big unions, they do not want to share power with small businesses, medium-sized businesses, or local, or even local governments. Remember that Obama, endorsed by Biden, wants to nationalize zoning. So zoning will no longer be a local issue. Zoning will be by the government, and the government bureaucrats will decide what zoning is appropriate. How many low-income folks, how many high-rises, what had been a more disaster for the low-income communities than these uh, high-rise government projects? I, mean, I can remember when I was at Columbia and College in New York, and there was a, um, we lived in a, a neighborhood south of Columbia campus, and it was a neighborhood of old, old buildings, a couple of, you know, three-story buildings, walk-up three-story building. There's a, there were old townhomes, and it was a, it was an integrated neighborhood, uh, by the way. The, uh, yeah, the building I was in was, um, primarily, uh, uh, Columbia College students and graduate students in, in apartments. Uh, the building next door was mostly, uh, African Americans, and there were some Chinese on the block, Chinese Americans on the block, and Hispanics. And you knew, because there were three grocery stores, there was one that was mostly Hispanic uh, or, or catered to the Hispanics in the area. And there was one that catered to, well, I would say, we white folks. And there was one that really was obviously catering mostly to African-Americans. Now, my roommates and I, we always shopped at Hispanic store because they had the best prices. So for us, the question was, we didn't care who the owners were. We didn't care who, what the, who the other customers were. We, we wanted to go where the, the prices were best. And since we, for a large part of the semester, lived on rice, we liked to occasionally get some meat to go into our rice. And the meat was always less expensive at the Hispanic grocery store. Anyway, this is a, an area that, in fact, at night sometimes, uh, the teenagers in the area, you know, had cut a hole in the uh, fencing around the, the, the school. It was an elementary school or high, uh, middle school, and they had cut a hole in the fencing so, so you can get into the uh, the playground. And we used to all get into the playground and, and touch football at night. Uh, and it would be a, an integrated touch football. The neighborhood was peaceful. Uh, people stood on their stoops yelling at the kids if they misbehaved. But Columbia decided... They wanted it. They wanted this area. So therefore, they got the city to say these were blighted neighborhoods, these were slums, and they were going to tear them all down and move the people up to beautiful high-rise apartments at 125th Street so people would have nice apartments. Needless to say, that destroyed the community, and needless to say, as Martin Anderson pointed out in his book, The Federal Bulldozer, you, you, without societal controls, crime went crazy, vandalism of all sorts, muggings. You couldn't go to 125th Street uh, and, and be sure that you'd get out in one piece after 
Columbia got their way, and the city of New York played footsie with Columbia University. Uh, and who was hurt? Lower-income community. Who dominated the lower-income community in that area? American blacks, African-Americans, whatever you want to call them. I, uh, I, 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 well, I've, speak, I've spoken to a number of uh, my friends and, and my acquaintances, and I ask them, do they prefer African-American or black? And there's a definitely a division in, uh, in opinion. So that's why I go sometimes go back and forth. But anyway, um, getting back to this. So we, we, the idea that there's not some people who, who have certain financial interests behind a lot of this and manipulating a lot of this is nonsense. Uh, there, I know that Alicia Garza thinks she's going to, uh, you know, create a communist society. She's got three or four different groups. Uh, in fact, uh, one of her groups, uh, which is a lobbying group, is uh, heavily backed by the Chinese communists, uh, money-wise. Uh, and uh, she has, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. She even cites black, the Black Liberation Movement of the 60s as a, a predecessor to what she has. And there's... Uh, and the Chinese Progressive Association is big and funding the uh, Black Futures Lab. Uh, Black Futures Lab is a lobbying group, and the Chinese Pro- uh, Progressive Association is uh, funded by the Chinese Communists and is fun- and helps fund that group. So there's a lot of people involved in here, uh, but the, the this pretext is these so-called protests. Now, look, yes, people protest. They may have a, grie- a grievance, real or imagined grievance. Let's assume it's a real grievance. So they get out and they protest. So it goes on for a few days, and the and the establishment doesn't do anything about it or tolerates it. And, they get, and then, of course, that attracts the those who, who are more interested in fun, as uh, Edward Banfield turned out uh, pointed out in his book, The Unheavenly uh, City, uh, in a chapter called uh, Rioting for Fun and, and Profit. So that starts. And now, of course, you have the political ruling class, the intellectual politicals, politicos, uh, that say, well, they can now manipulate, take advantage of this. In comes Antifa. In comes an organization, a Marxist organization like Black Lives Matter, which has revolutionary goals. And the most important part of a revolutionary goal is first you've got to create chaos. So you have one group, the true believers, absolutely creating chaos. You have another group who has, who's got a financial stake in what happens, access to China, control the central government, and they know they'll win in the end. They always do. I mean, when Lenin established his uh, dictatorship of the proletariat in, uh, in, in Soviet Union, what happened to the proletariat? They didn't follow along what the, what the intellectual vanguard, as he called it, uh, thought their role should be. He just had them shot. And so, you know, this is no, this is no different. And, and, of course, in this country, you always, young folks are always suckers. A lot of young folks are always suckers for utopian schemes. And so these schemes are always utopian. E- equality, you know, socialism, everybody's equal. So they always involve some sort of socialist uh, economic nonsense, along with uh, other things. The ethno 
where you have an ethno state, what are they talking about now? You're going to recognize everybody's ethnicity is completely equal. Yeah, right. And, uh, and one of the things they got to get rid of, of course, is Stalin pointed out is merit. You can't let people, uh, govern because of merit. You, you, people who are going to govern, bureaucrats have to be people who are loyal to the, to the, to the actual rulers. And they're loyal. Why? Because they are not competent or have minimal competence and they wouldn't be in a position of authority or power or a good economic position they are if it weren't for these people who were appointing them on not on the basis of merit, but on the basis of loyalty. And they were completely loyal. That's what Stalin did. That's how he ruled the Soviet Union. That's why he, that's why he and not Trotsky uh, took over after Lenin's death. Trotsky was busy uh, being the intellectual, the idea guy, the, the, the revolution for the world. Well, Lenin, excuse me, Stalin was busy putting his people into positions in the bureaucracy and positions they did not earn. Therefore, they were completely loyal to Stalin. Well, you're going to see a lot of that happening in this country. And uh, in fact, you've already seen in the bureaucracy, obviously. It's why the bureaucracy is so, so completely... Uh, Loyal to the Democrats. I mean, Robert, let's uh, let's take our last break, right? Quick, okay? Yeah, okay. Hey, folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday, two to three, live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry; I'm just right. Good morning. Uh, this is David Moxley in the Classic Car Show, and uh, we've got. <sighs> A great job to do right now, and that's welcome a new advertiser to the Classic Car Show. And many of you have seen their trucks on the road as well as know and have used them over the in the past. And it's um, we've got uh, Steve Capper on the line with us, and he's with McAllister's Transportation Group. And um, Steve, how are you doing today? morning, David. I'm fine. How about yourself? Just fine. And tell us something about uh, what you do as well as uh, what makes you all stand out from everybody else. Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, thank you for, uh, for the time and the opportunity to sponsor and partner with such a, a great group. You guys, for what you stand for, uh, is right in line with uh, the mottos and uh, the mantra of our company as well. Uh, my title is Vice President of Sales and Business Development. I'm responsible for all sales throughout the United States, uh, myself and my team. Uh, and what we do as a company is we provide enclosed transportation to the automobile industry. Uh, and that's straight down from the OEMs through snowbirds and personal moves. And our favorite stuff to do of, of all of that is uh, the collector car market. Uh, we're fully involved with the Amelia Islands, uh, Pebble Beaches, and all of the major shows throughout the United States. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, this is Robert D'Agostino back with Two Facts Matter. And I've been discussing the importance of chaos uh, for for the uh, ruling class to or new ruling class to seize control. You know, Trump is, I guess, regarded as a traitor to his class. And uh, therefore, that's why all these billionaires are uh, opposed to Trump. And Trump seems to really be concerned about ordinary folks. 
He seems to be concerned about protecting the free market. He seems to be concerned about protecting communities. Look, the unfettered free market is destructive of communities because it's totally merit based on merit and and not and no elements of loyalty involved. But a community, it becomes a community because of people loyal to each other. You can have a community. And they, hopefully, the United States try to have a, commu- a community involving the entire country. It really hasn't worked out, at least not now. Certainly, the, the, uh, the coasts are, are, are a different worldview, completely different worldview. I mean, how can – look, it, I just want to go – I'm going to go back to chaos in a minute and gun control. But the, the Canada – I mean, Canada, California – has $780 billion of unfunded liabilities, $780 billion. How are they going to get that? They're going to get that, or they think they can get it, by taking over the country through the Democrat Party and getting the Democrats to bail them out by federal tax money. And you say, well, what about New York? Well, yeah, New York, compared to California, New York only is, $260 $260 billion worth of unfunded liabilities, but that doesn't include New York City, which may have another 130 or so. So even if you include New York City, it's, it's about half what, a uh, little more than half of what California has. So you have $780 billion of unfunded liabilities. Look it up. You don't believe me? Look it up. Look up unfunded liabilities. They go state by state. And, but let's go, let's go to this chaos. Let's go back to chaos. And, and don't forget, I brought up California because you've got to follow the money trail. Why the people of California really, despite what the, the, the wreck that they're creating in California, turning California into a state for the affluent and their servants? It's a, a high-low uh, co- coalition, which is what the Democratic Party is now. It's a coalition of the affluent and the wealthy and the low uh, and the low income, uh, lower cl- low economic classes. Someone's got to take care of their designer kid. Someone has to take care of their uh, cleaning their house. Someone has to take care of fixing the roof, so or mowing the lawn. And so I don't want to pay a lot of money for that, of course. So it's it's now a coalition. It's uh, affluent and wealthy, and and the uh, lower economic classes all against the middle. Uh, but let's go. So that's the only reason why the example. Let's go back to gun gun control is not about gun control. It's about disarming law-abiding citizens. The gun control people have no interest in disarming criminals. They know they can't disarm criminals. And criminals have tons of illegal pistols, illegal revolvers, and some even illegal rifles and machine guns and what have you. They're not interested in disarming criminals because criminals add to the chaos. So this idea of defunding the police is to add to the chaos. They could care less about all those young black men being shot and killed. Anywhere between 89 to 96% of homicides are blacks against blacks. Stop and frisk work. It after the, the Democrats, the left, has wrecked the family through the great society, has attacked the church to make them irrelevant most of the time, and, and 
the last control of behavior. The family's the biggest control of behavior. People will, will, will behave if they're surrounded by family, most of them. The church had a lot of clout, particularly in, in, uh, in America. And so the last thing in order to last control on, on, uh, on behavior were the police. So now that we have demonized the police, we have given permission to, for thugs to, to, to attack the police and, and to, to, to operate. Look, young men have to be civilized. You know, I, I would used to kind of tell people, oh, yeah, you look, little babies, they're, they're, they're born, they're little savages. And, and they get trained to being barbarians. The, the secret is to get them from the barbarian stage, which is most teenagers, to the to the civilized days, and that's the hard part, and uh, that that last step. Well, the last step is not happening in a lot of these communities. Uh, people are running wild. The drug dealers, the pimps, the the muggers are running wild. There's no no family to control them, no church to control them, and now no police to control. Them. So this gun control is about making sure that private citizens, law-abiding citizens, can't control them. They want to get rid of, take all those guns, confiscate as many as they can if they could, and not from the criminals. Because the criminals are part of this whole idea of chaos, pre-revolutionary chaos. And I assure you criminals out there, uh, if the left took over, if, if this really the Bolshevik movement of the left took over, uh, you would be targeted. So <laughs> your, 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 your times of unfettered, uh, Criminality without uh, consequence would end quickly. And what is part of this whole deal is what George Soros has done, and that he's funded he's funded these prosecutors that left wing prosecutors that release criminals as fast as they're arrested, and they're all over the country. And uh, so we have uh, a, another interesting article I, I want to uh, urge my listeners to read, again from the American Thinker. It's a September 17, 2020 article. And it talks about Soros' role in creating America's right riot-coddling DAs. And they're right, place after place. Uh, let me uh, give you this idea. Far left, this is part of the article, far left Daddy Warwick's George Soros has been funding far left candidates in district attorneys races across the country since 2015. And he's done this in Houston, Albuquerque, Chicago, races in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Florida. They've all gotten their cut. Since 2015, he, this is Soros, has spent more than $17 million on district attorneys a district attorney and other local races in swing states such as Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Arizona, but also in large, predominantly left-of-center states such as California and New York. In 2016, Soros dropped $2 million into a single sheriff race in Maricopa County, Arizona, helping progressive candidate Paul Penzone win the election with ease over longtime incumbent Joe Arpaio. 
He was giving millions of dollars in grants to candidates in several other countries as well. And you see that all over. You see it in Los Angeles. Uh, let's, let's, in, in St. Louis, the circuit attorney who's a prosecutor, Kim Gardner, got 118,000 bag load in the wake of Ferguson riots. And one selected filed false and scurrilous charges against Missouri Governor Missouri Governor Eric Regents, which were then th- which were eventually thrown out, but it ruined his political career. And 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 he was kind of an anti-establishment Republican, very able guy, uh, had been involved in many nonprofit uh, endeavors and former military, but he had to go. In 2020, she got seventy-eight thousand. This is for a local race. This is for a St. Louis uh, uh, County race uh, for essentially a prosecutor. She got 78000 from Soros. Rioters, of course, have since run free. They're let out as soon as they're arrested. But the McCloskeys trying to defend their home are being prosecuted. Over in Chicago, State's Attorney Kim Fox, F-O-X-X, has been attacked by his by her city's own mayor for a failure to prosecute rioters. She also was heavily involved in the Jesse Smollett racial host fiasco, something that the thing, something that had the fingerprints of Kamala Harris and other Democrats on it. Robert, so one is, minute. Well, this is going on all over the country, and the American people need to wake up and vote these people out of office. They need to do it in 2020. They need to do it in 2022, when someone will come up for re-election, these are people, New York, the same thing. The rioters are being let go. The looters are being let go. No matter how egregious, the, there was a one rioter let go who, who had started a fire with a Molotov cocktail. They let him go immediately. He was out on the street the next day, and he started six more fires with Molotov cocktails. So that's what's happening in this country, and they're all Democrats. And they're all funded by George Soros. He understood how to create chaos, not prosecuting criminals, but prosecuting law-abiding citizens for any infraction or or make-believe infraction. That's what's going on. So I urge my, we can't allow, we cannot allow Biden to be elected if we can help it. We have to go vote. Got to get our friends to vote. We've got to put Trump back in. The, the future of the country is at stake. Biden is a cipher. He's always been a weak. He's always been a, a liar. He's always been corrupt. And now we, his brain is starting to fade. So it's even worse than ever with Biden. Okay, Robert. That's uh, going to have to put a wrap on it. Okay. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.